This is Enjoy Cherokee Voices, a podcast recorded live to deliver in-depth conversations with dynamic people from all corners of Cherokee County. Listeners like you sink into this weekly podcast to learn more about the people that make Cherokee County extraordinary. And now it's time to get to know another neighbor. Here's your host, Jody Drinkard. Hello, hello, and welcome to the studio. Today, I am very pleased to bring you some special guests. I have a family affair going on in here today. I have Mr. John Blend and Mr. Zach Blend, both from Goshen Valley, and I am pleased to introduce both of you today. Zach? Yeah, hey, Jody, it's great to be with you, especially here at Thrive, where uh, we have the opportunity to share some space together. Yes, we do. That's how we got to know each other, right here in Thrive at the Mill on Etowah. And your father is here today. What an opportunity for us to spend some time with you, Mr. John. Well, I'm happy to be here. I've looked forward to it, so thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. John, I'm going to start with you, if Mm -hmm. you don't mind. Where were you born and raised? I was born in Brooklyn, New York. No kidding. Uh Uh-huh. In the Flatbush section of Brooklyn, and uh, as a five-year-old, we moved to Long Island along with so many others. So I was the first year of baby booming. I'm 75, so I was born in 46 and uh, headed out to Long Island and was a New Yorker and a you know, Yankees fan and a Mets fan and a Dodgers fan, all that New York stuff. Are you still a New York fan? No, 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 no. no are you a Braves no, fan? No, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Are the, we are in the World Series. Yeah, after we all. are, absolutely. <laughs> it's been a blessing. By the time this airs, we're going to know the answer to who won the World Series, but right right now it's still a mystery. Right. We're going to be hanging on every minute. That's right. Well, when did you move away from New York and where did you go? Uh, The family went to Long Island and I was raised out there, which was a great place to be and uh, lived in a very kind of middle class family, father who commuted, mother who stayed home. Mm -hmm. Um, Brothers and sisters? Excuse me? Brothers and sisters? Yeah, I have a sister who's a couple years older, and uh, she was the artiste of the family, and I was the uh, uh, average football player. Oh. So, uh, but we had a great upbringing, so I had lots of all kinds of support uh, on the value charts mm-hmm. as a young person and active church life, active, you know, Boy Scouts, kind of poster boy in that regard, but I had my interesting moments too, so... I was anxious to get away from home, left uh, when I graduated high school and went to Allentown, Pennsylvania to a Lutheran college called Muhlenberg College, which is in Allentown, and was the alma mater of my pastor, who had said, hey, I want you to go take a look at where I went to college. And I went up to Allentown and uh, fell in love literally day one with the school and uh, had a spectacular four years as a liberal arts major. A big believer in liberal arts as a kind of a grounding place for kids when they go to college. If they, if they don't like slide rules and computers and all the stuff of that time, which I didn't mm-hmm. at all, uh, I thought uh, a liberal arts school was a great education, church-based, pretty solid. Lutheran. 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 Which comes into the story later. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I went to school and got out on time. Uh, I had a, a deferment when I was in college for the Vietnam War, which... Deferment. What does that mean? That meant I didn't have to... I could stay in college and didn't have to go fight in gotcha. Vietnam. So I grew up in that whole Vietnam time. You got to get out a Vietnam free card. 
I did for a while. And then I I, uh, got a job with IBM back when computers were just starting to happen in 1968. Mm -hmm. So I was an early tech type with a very non-tech background and still have a non-tech point of view on life. Mm -hmm. But uh, I went to work for IBM and, and learned lots. And where was that? That was in Reading, Pennsylvania, down the street. I'd been hired by a man who uh, was attracted to my resume. In college, I'd had a chance to spend a fair amount of time in Mexico, a semester actually, in Mexico City, and learn the language and a lifestyle. And this fellow who worked at IBM had a similar story to tell. Mm-hmm. So uh, he was the decision maker, and he said, I'm going to hire you. Your grades aren't so hot, but I love <laughs> the rest of the story. Well, so uh, there I went. That's exciting. Yeah. Stayed there for 12 years. Met my wife, who was a student of mine when I was teaching in Atlanta. I came down at some point in my career with IBM and taught school in Atlanta. And one of my students was this beautiful woman, Connie Ruedel, who I fell on head over heels, had to get her out of the, she left, she graduated from the class and then I was able to call her afterwards. Mm-hmm. Oh, Couldn't so call there was no her. dating when you no were. No dating. Oh. No, no dating. No dating. IBM, white shirt, rep tie, blue suit, you know, the whole story. And as soon as graduation happened, how long did you wait before you called her It took her two years really for oh. the chemistry to uh, but then it then it went fast. Oh, okay. How so fast? I, I, I went on a date with her to the Ohio State-Michigan game, which I'd never been to a big college game. And she was from Columbus, Ohio, where Ohio oh. State is. So uh, it took about four quarters. And then <laughs> it was all over. You were head over heels. <laughs> That's right. And she's been my, uh, she's absolutely been a co-partner in all of the Goshen things and just all of it. Mm -hmm. I've been blessed to be and the mom's had a, and Zach's had a great mom. And we have a daughter from Marianne. So we have a daughter who's a public defender in uh, Gwinnett County. Really? Interesting. She was a public defender in DeKalb County for many years. She has a private practice now. So she has interesting clients. She's always got a story or two to tell. I bet and she does. Just smart, went to Dartmouth and Emory Law and all that jazz. So she's got a perfect pedigree and uh, she's and she, she does great work and she's been part of the team. And then Zach and I, of course, have been at the hip f- right. forever, kind of. Right. So Zach, where yeah. were you born? I was born in uh, 1983, November of 83 here in uh, the Atlanta area, Northside Hospital down in Sandy Springs, mm-hmm. and uh, had the opportunity to attend Holy Innocence, a little private school, um, actually from first grade until I graduated, um, really? you know, down in the Atlanta area, had a tremendous experience. Uh, until you graduated high school? Yeah. You know, private school at that point, Holy Innocence, when I started, I think it only went through eighth grade and, you know, grew, you know, shortly thereafter. Um, to the point where I didn't have to move schools, um, had the opportunity to compete in basketball and baseball, um, made some you know, lifelong friends and um, had the opportunity you know, to this day to stay involved in uh, what's been you know, a great story for Holy Innocence in terms of um, their ability to you know, grow into one of the more you know, prominent private schools in the Atlanta area. Was that Lutheran as well? Uh, it was not. Holy Innocence is actually Episcopalian. Really? Correct. So um, because it was private, though, you could kind of move around the city and it didn't matter? Or were you located in one area, your family, the whole time? So um, 
my parents were in Dunwoody at the time. Mm-hmm. That's where they raised my sister and I. And uh, we lived there in that home until 2000 when uh, we moved closer to Holy Innocence uh, to the Chastain Park area mm-hmm. uh, where I you know, finished, you know, I think, 10th, 11th and 12th grade, which um, you know, was a great experience kind of living near Atlanta, near the city. Uh, and, you know, obviously, you know, closer to friends and, um, you know, the opportunity to um, be invested, um, you know, more in their lives uh, as well as, you know, just in the life of the school at the same time being, you know, five minutes away. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Who's older, you or your sister? My sister. My sister is uh, a few years older and mm-hmm. um, has been a, a great uh, example for me just in terms of, you know, the, the seriousness and the dedication in which um, she took her opportunities at Dartmouth and then Emory um, and has been uh, one of my biggest fans. And uh, her and her husband, George, have uh, two daughters, um, a um, 15 year old and a um, 13 year old who act as great examples and friends to uh, my three children as cousins. And, uh, you know, we're blessed to you know, have them in our life. Did you say she has two? She does. And you have three? I do. You are grandparents to five? Yes. God That sounds us. like a beautiful Christmas story. Right. We have a lot of fun together. Lots of soccer games. Oh, lots of <laughs> Much soccer Much better than swim mates. Oh. Swim mates are medieval. <laughs> I mean. So hot in there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I know. It's a lot of sweating in a swim meet. Okay. So, now let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. John. Yeah. Did you ever have foster children in your home? No. You did have 12 Ukrainians at one point. Oh, yeah. This, that's now, a this great sounds story. like a story. 12 that's a great story. Zach. Let's hear your 12 well, Ukrainian it was, story. It was, it was George Bush was going into his first term, I think. And, Senior? Uh, yeah, some years ago. And we were going to a Lutheran church, which features prominently in the story as we get into it. And uh, they were taking some uh, refugee, uh, Ukraine refugees. And at the time, the State Department had taken some Ukrainians and put them in Rome and then were transferring, transferring them to the United States. So we were told we could go to the airport and and get the Shigailo family. So my wife and I went down to the airport to get the Shigailo family and to give them a home for about two weeks until they could uh, get their feet on the ground. And our church was going to find them a a place to live and we were going to work on employment. And the dad and the mom got off, and then the 11 kids got off. Holy cats. And then the grandma got off. Oh. So we, we, drove, we, drove, we rented some cars and got everybody home and p- packed 12 Ukrainians. No, no English spoken. They spoke no English. And my, our Ukrainian is light. So we, 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 it was very interesting. I began speaking English with a Ukrainian accent, thinking that might help, and it absolutely didn't help at all. <laughs> so we had an interesting couple of weeks with the Shigailos and they've all become successful. They're all citizens. They have plumbing companies and roofing companies. So you brought this family into your home. Not in the church, and but they stayed with us. Okay. How <laughs> did, I, I can't help but ask the question, how did George Bush Sr. You know, get in touch with your um, your congregation. I think it was say, through Lutheran Services of it, Georgia. You know, it was Lutheran Services of Georgia that did it. It was unrelated to George Bush. I just remember we had to leave the inauguration to go pick them up at the airport. 
So that was the timing of when they were here was and, around. And, and these were, but he was unrelated to these oh, were okay. Ukrainians was, who never had the opportunity to freely express themselves, you know, religiously in terms of their faith and, you know, the belief in Jesus. Is that um, why they came for religious freedom? Very much so. Yeah. And, and you go, unbelievable. Really? I remember, you know, I was four or five years old. I remember sharing my parents' bedroom, my sister and I with, you know, mom and dad and kind of camping out for those two weeks and things like, you know, there was a boy my age who had never been in a kind of a drawn bath, a warm, you know, you know, bath of water who lost his mind with the concept of just kind of getting in, you know, to, to the bathtub and having to kind of explain to him how that worked and, you know, really? how, <laughs> and, you know, they never, the, the concept of a McDonald's cheeseburger that first night when they all arrived, you know, we had a dining room full of, you know, McDonald's and, um, their experience, you know, eating a French fry. But for me, you know, Jody, what I take back and look at as far as my parents setting an example you know, of service, whether it was the Jagailos, whether it was the, the countless habitat houses they dragged me to, um, you know, whether it was the opportunity to invest um, in some of, you know, my teammates' families. As, as a young child, I, I played baseball literally all over the state, sometimes with teammates that weren't the position to cover their own costs. And it seemed like my parents were always there for them. Um, and then obviously Goshen and what's that become. But, you know, blessed with a childhood um, not only with parents that were invested, but with the experiences and the understanding of what it meant to to serve others intentionally. Yes, yes. You know, this it brings to mind for me that we are not a generation away. This is our generation that we are looking at the world and the world is not full of religious freedom. No. Right now, it's not. No. And you, your family, helped a family experience that religious freedom. I have goosebumps from my toes to my head right now. That is such a special story. I have a cute story to tell. I'd, I'd, I'd been in Israel about six months before they came, and they were very fundamental Christian, very fundamental Christian, mm -hmm. if you will. As I discerned, not speaking much with them, but I, I was getting the drift. But when I'd been over in Israel, I'd gone in the River Jordan and made a bottle of water up of, of the water in the Jordan. And I took stones and I packed them in my bag and I brought home this water and these stones. How special. Well, I told them I had these. Oh. And it was a riot. What? What do you mean? We had like a church service in my living room and I brought out the water. Oh. And these were very fundamental Christians. And this is water from the River Jordan. And and it was I got to see the depth of when you're in the Ukraine and you're in a communistic country and these people are worshiping, you know, in the basements of places. So the police don't find them and then run away to Rome in order to get to the States. And in my living room, we've got these stones from the <laughs> Oh, my gosh. That and then I got to measure my sense of faith against some serious yeah. well, I, believers. I, I, I think of it, too, as for, in hindsight, for, for my parents, it was almost baby steps for what Goshen would become in terms of the sacrifice. Someone's like, man, you gave up your house for two weeks with 12 people that didn't speak English? Um, yeah, we did, but that, you know, compared to what then transpired in the years to come, 
Um, you know, it's something almost that, you know, we don't always remember, right. but to think that, you know, in a way I believe that, you know, God was creating environments for the blend family to experience the importance of allowing him to work in us and through us so that we could affect the lives of others, specifically those that, that, that don't know him, whether it be a Ukrainian refugee or a 13 year old in the foster care system. Exactly. Well, speaking of a 13-year-old in the foster system, when did it occur to you, John, that you know what? I think a light bulb went off over your head that said, or a light bulb went off in your heart and said, this is what I want to do. I want to start Goshen Valley, a foster care system for boys. It's, it's a multi-layered answer and a difficult question to do well. Um, but it's obviously at the heart of a lot of stuff in my life and my family's life and now in the community's life. But uh, uh, I would say the most striking piece was when I was in Mexico, I was working, I was going to school there, I was taking the bus, I was living and I was learning Spanish and 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 really getting another culture going within me. And I loved it. And it was working. And I had a job working in a factory down there, in a, like the shipping department. And uh, kind of every other week, the, the engineer at the factory, who was like my boss, would leave and go uh, out of the office with all the broken jewelry that we couldn't use because it had been broken somehow. And this was a pretty big factory with lots of people sitting there making jewelry and stuff like that. And he told me to come along with him. His name is Ernesto. He said, Ernesto, he said, Juan. I said, yes. He said, you know, nos vamos. Okay, where are we going? And we're going to an orphanage, of all things. An orphanage? An orphanage in Mexico City. And he would take the jewelry up to this orphanage, uh, a Catholic orphanage, where all the nuns looked looked like the flying nun. They still had the full-blown gear on. Nun gear. Big white hat. Headsets, white hats like the flying nun. Yeah. That's where we went to bring the jewelry to the nuns. And then I would meet all the kids and stuff like that. So the first time we go up there, we're driving up there and we're talking and we're visiting and I'm doing my Spanish thing. And he didn't speak English, which was great because it forced me to stay in Spanish. And we got there and we got out and I walked in and the, and the mother, the head mother, Mother Teresa of the place came out and met us and we came in and she introduced me to the kids who were assembled because we were bringing the jewelry and it was an all girls orphanage. Mm -hmm. So you got the picture. Mm -hmm. Do you remember thalidomide? Do you know the drug thalidomide? Have you heard of that? Thalidomide was a, a contraceptive pill that was given back years ago and it caused deformed babies and the orphanage was filled with little girls with no arms are you kidding me true 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 story and i'm like i'm in my my junior year of college but spending a semester in mexico and i'm having this thing happening like holy moly was that drug, do you think that drug was released in the U.S.? Oh, yeah. There were thalidomide babies in the United States, but it was very popular in the, in the uh, s- s- Central and South America, and that's where, it, it, so you can kind of look it up and get the whole story on thalidomide. But the point of that story is that I was supposed to be there, I was supposed to experience that. So this whole theme that you'll hear Zach and I talk about, which you just did very well, providential, the fact that... You know, the, the circumstances that we had that happened to us, mm-hmm. I don't want to get kooky, 
But I think the circumstances that happened to us at some some point are, uh, if you will, orchestrated. Yes, I'm aware uh, of that. And people call that faith. There's lots of names for it. Um, but this was a, a, a galvanizing moment for me, and it stayed with me to this minute. When Colm, you know, went back to college, would send her money. She would send me letters. Really? The Mother Teresa of the place, the head mom. And uh, I still have it. So it's there. It got, you know, it got stamped. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, that started. And then I did some other things in college. Started at a, an English Spanish uh, program for uh, Puerto Rican kids at the time who worked in the uh, mushroom factories of Fleetwood, Pennsylvania, and they didn't speak English, and we would teach them English in a downtown storefront that we had. So kind of been a sidekick of mine, Mm -hmm. Uh, but was really focused on building companies and having a career and providing and stuff like that for myself before I was able to have that kind of moment, which I then had, which I can tell quickly. I was at a church service with my wife at Lutheran Church of the Redeemer. We were changing churches. We'd heard about this church and this man, Pastor Sims, who had this galvanizing kind of way of presenting the spirit. And we went and listened, and it was remarkable. So we went to the new member class the next week, you know, where everybody who's joining gets to go, and you say who you are and why you're there, and that. And I did that. And the pastor was at that event, the senior pastor, and he was explaining all the wonderful things that Redeemer had done and was doing as part of a campaign called Redeemer Rising. Redeemer Rising. And he said, well, we've do, do, it's going to be these six things, and we're not going to do the seventh, but uh, we've thought long and prayed on the seventh, but we won't be doing it. So the question had to be asked, you know, what was the seventh? Exactly. And he said, well, we were going to open a group home for boys, but it's turned out to be much too much risk, you know, too, too, too much money. Uh, so we're not going to do that one. Mm-hmm. So I looked at Connie and then when the meeting ended, I walked on the way out. I said, Pastor Sims, I've got 200 acres up in Cherokee County. I want to talk to you uh-huh. about the boys home. It's literally eight minutes later, right? I'm leaving and, and I just kind of threw it out there. You know, either it was an ego move or a providential move. I don't, I haven't diagnosed that yet, but anyway, I said it. phone rings two days later. It's him. Uh-huh. He wants me to come and back like during the day. Ever go? People don't go to church during the week. I mean, it's right. a weird <laughs> feeling to go in the pastor's office during the week. It's like the principal's office. Uh oh. <laughs> so I went to the principal's <laughs> office and he said, "I want to know more about this farm you've got." Yeah. And I said, "Well, I've got it." And you, you have know, how many acres? You have how many acres up there? You said we have uh, 300 now. We rent 100, at least 100 for 25 years, and we own 200 acres. At the time you owned And we were putting it together. It was part of the story. We were assembling all the property. It had taken me 10, 12 years to put the pieces together. But there was now together. So I had empty houses. I had land. I had gotten out of the chicken business. We won't go into that whole story of how... Uh, how we got to Cherokee, which uh, is a story for Rebecca Johnson. She knows the story. Yeah. Uh, but 
Redeemer became the, my credentialing person for Zach. Zach was going there, started going there. He was a, a confirmed there, was a you know, acolyte there. And, you know, we became big church members and met the congregation of, of Redeemer by way of Bob Sims, who said to the, I want you to meet this man. He has this property. Mm-hmm. So he told Dorothy Beasley to meet with me. Dorothy Beasley at the time was the chief appellate judge for the state of Georgia. Big job. Not I the guess, Supreme yeah. Court, but the appellate court, which is still a big job. Right. And she fell in love with the idea, became a partner of mine in this thing called Goshen. Dorothy Beasley, Judge Beasley, famous. Mm, she's not. She's a pushover. <laughs> um, uh, John Sherholz went to church uh, there, sat in the p- two pews up. The Braves general manager at the time. He's well known here. He's in the Hall of Fame now. Uh, and he took an interest, he and his wife, Karen, took an interest in Zach, took an interest in Goshen Valley, and credentialed Goshen Valley. Bill Ide was the president of the American Bar Association. Big job, global job. Right. He was two pews down, took an interest. His wife, Gail, who just passed away, sadly, um, took an interest. So these folks started accumulating at the church, saying, you know, when are you doing it? When is it starting? And it's like, wait a minute. No, I just met this guy the other day and I've got a career and what am I doing? And all of a sudden I realized that the cat was out of the bag and I wasn't really controlling this. It was providential and it sped up and people were attracted and monies showed up and I was able to sell the company I had and, and be able to retire in quotes. I then re-engaged again. But at the time, I was able to put real resources into what we were doing. It was all, I felt, scripted. Absolutely. Oh, and my god. So goodness. I'm trying to this keep is... up. Yeah, I'm trying to keep <laughs> you're, up. You're like, God, like, what's going on so here? So you've got a family. You've <laughs> got to keep up. You've got Zach, who started going up to the ranch with me 10 years before, diapers. And, and, and you know, we would go up and drive the Jeep and all that. Now, he's, you know. You started going up there when you were 10 years old, Zach. Well, I started going up there when I was a baby. I mean, we it was bought a, the oh, place. Yeah, you said diapers. Yeah, sure. before, Zach was before I was born. But, you know, I got to I got to watch this happen, not necessarily fully focused, you know, as a high schooler, you know, playing sports, school. But, um, you know, to, to see, you know, my parents kind of, you know, take this trip together um, of really kind of giving of themselves, including, you know, giving of the property. I think that the big step for the Blend family was, you know, when they gave the land away, when, when they created the 501c3, the Goshen Valley Foundation where they were no longer really in possession of that property. Um, that's a big investment. That's a big step. And I, yes. I, I recollect, you know, those decisions being made. And I think at times, quite honestly, Jody, I, I remember people saying, John, you're crazy. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Think about all that you've done to get to this point with your own personal wealth to now put all of that on the line for something that a lot of people didn't necessarily even understand. And, you know, I, I give my parents, you know, so much credit, not only in that, you know, they stayed committed to the vision and the work that it took, including assembling, you know, putting a staff together, um, all the licensing, the credentialing, um, the work that went on in the community, specifically in the Silicoa to keep their reputation alive in the midst of questions being asked, hey, what's actually happening here um, <laughs> to to get to a point where, you know, they were in the position um, you know, to start and, and to, to bring a boy in and to bring boys in and, and allow the quality of the care to then speak for itself. 
that it was very clear that this was going to be a place of standards. This was going to be a place, you know, geared towards family and faith and integrity and wellness um, and allowing that and those values to really, you know, kind of seep into the hearts of those that we served. Um, and, and, and I remember that, you know, every step of the way and that the experience of those first five boys, the, the shadows, the little Roberts, <laughs> um, as much as the boys that we serve today, um, you know, the Edwards and the Davids, um, what stayed the same, not only has been John's commitment, but have been those values and those standards um, that Goshen has stood for. Um, that I believe, you know, started many, many years, you know, before the opening of the ranch um, and the intention of what our family wanted our opportunity to be. And that would be giving back, you know, in a way um, that was significant and was personal um, and certainly has had uh, a significant impact on my life and my families as well. And how many other families and other people? We've had a thousand kids there. A thousand Not kids. just at the ranch, but in all of what Zach does now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had a lot of children, and it's really neat. Well, let's, let's speak to that right now, if you mm-hmm. don't mind. I really am interested. I know a little bit more than probably the average person about Goshen Valley. I believe there's really four segments of the, I'm going to call Correct. it a business. I don't know if, that, if that's the right term. Agency. The agency. Before we get started in that, though. Where did the name Goshen Valley come from? Um, the property sits next to the Goshen Baptist Church, which I borrowed. In oh, other words, so the, the property was owned by the uh, Klein family, uh, who and he was a moonshiner and he was a mule trader. So you've got mule a picture of what this guy looks like. Mule and moonshine. All right. So Newt was a, a moonshiner of of serious renown in this county. You could go to different parts of the county and I'd say I bought Newt's place and people would know what that meant. So Newt sold his moonshining business to the Yankee. John Blend. He'd never known a Yankee. Really? He was 85 years old. Hadn't met one until he sold me his place. Wow. And we would sit on the porch and, and, the, and, and his customers would drive up. And he would make me sit there and then he would go in and some bought the quart, which he had stashed in the house, and some bought the gallon, which he had in the chicken house. And I would sit there and he would kind of let them know he was going out of the business because he'd sold the place to a Yankee. So it was a very interesting start as we segued from. So when he was saying he was going out of the business, was the anticipation that you were going into the business? Uh, Who knew? Who knew? He knew. (laughs) I knew. My wife knew, but I don't know if the clients knew. And he also had 20,000 chickens. So I, I bought a, a moonshining chicken business. That's a lot of feathers. That's a lot. of. So we got out of the chicken and we're not moonshining, although the still's out there somewhere in the back. Oh, and, uh, I bet you know It's a great story. Is. And Zach knows it cold because he and I were. I'd like some pictures together. of that. <laughs> Excuse me? I'd like some pictures of that still. <laughs> There's just little pieces of copper. You, oh. you have to, it's more of an archaeological dig than a... <laughs> you this get still we uh no, we, but we've been blessed you know the the congregation of, of goshen baptist its members the silicoa uh, has been so supportive what does silicoa mean um you know i don't know what's cherokee for, for open ground that's 
how how we explain it. Well, what is the Silico? The, the Silico Valley is that area of Northwest Cherokee that the ranch sits in. Okay. That um, you take 140 north past Reinhardt, and you actually make a right onto Silico Road, which is you know a bit windy, but you get out into the valley, and and the joy of it is, it looks a lot like it did in 1980, you know, when oh, we, yeah. and, uh, when we first purchased the property and, uh, it truly is, um, you know, a sanctuary. And I think those that know it, um, those that come in contact with it, a lot of people come visit the ranch, you know, we'll have a couple thousand visitors and, you know, they'll leave Canton or they'll leave Woodstock and they'll, they'll start, you know, the path out to the, to, to Goshen Valley Boys Ranch where along the way, you know, what they encounter, you know, in, in terms of the, the beauty of the, the scenery and, and, and the pasture settings and the old barns, um, I think it's as a unique experience uh, as any, um, you know, when, when you when you end that trip, you know, on our ranch, you know, with um, what looks a lot like it did, you know, absent a few houses that we've put up, uh, we, we've tried to keep, um, you know, the, 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 the scene and the, and the vibe, you know, similar to what it always was when John first yeah. fell in love with the property. I want, to, I want to tell I know we were going to get into Goshen. I'll tell you one favorite story. Then, okay. Because it was pivotal. And that was, uh, there was one holdout as I was trying to put the pieces back together again. There's probably seven pieces that had been sold off. There was one piece uh, that uh, I couldn't get. And it was right in the middle of what Goshen is now. Mm-hmm. So we had to do it. So put that aside that I had to try to get that piece of property. Uh Dorothy Beasley, who was the appellate court judge that I mentioned, mm-hmm. the chief, uh, came, said to me, John, I want to come up to Cherokee and hear cases like in two Thursdays from now. And she said, uh, uh, we have a new a ju- a juvenile judge up there who's just been appointed and uh, I want to meet him and I want to introduce him to you because of your interest in trying to do something with Goshen Valley, which really wasn't public yet, was still early, mm-hmm. early. So I said, okay. So she was hearing cases uh, in the appellate court. And then at lunch, I walked in and she said, let's go downstairs and we'll meet the new juvenile judge. So we walked in and it was Jackson Harris, who you may not know, but. I do know Jackson okay. Harris. So Jackson Harris was the brand new juvenile court judge. And he's down in the basement, no windows, like in a broom oh. closet. And Dorothy and I walk in and he said, oh, Judge Beasley. And yes, you know, all the niceties as, as Dorothy explained who I was. And um, he, he said to me and to Dorothy, would you like a Coca-Cola? Or he said, Coca-Cola. So <laughs> I said, yeah, right. And he, uh, he said, Renee, let's get us some Coca-Colas. So she went, it's his secretary mm-hmm. in this broom closet. So it wasn't a long walk. <laughs> she brings the Coca-Colas back in. And she looks at me and says, Mr. John, you're not going to build that boy's prison up at our place. So it turns out that Renee, who is the secretary still, now to Tony Baker. but uh, Seriously? Still, lived at the ranch. And her dad, Joe uh, David Morgan, has owned the property that I he wouldn't sell. Oh, no. So, so Jackson Harris is looking at his secretary, Renee, and I've told this story to 400 people, so it's, it's not an well, exclusive. Well, now it's 407, because right. we only have seven <laughs> listeners, so okay. it's okay. <laughs> so, so, so Jackson says, Renee, you know, boy's prison, you know. I said, no, 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 Renee, it's not going to be a boy's prison. It's just going to be a, a nice foster home for boys that need da-da-da. 
Okay? Yeah. Two months later, it's promised this is the true story. Phone rings. It's Renee's dad. Renee tells me you're opening the prison up here. Oh, no. I said, David, David, David. No, 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 no. It's not going to be like that. He said, I'm selling out. I said, how much do you want? And he gave me the number. And I drove to the ranch. I drove to the ranch. (laughs) (laughs) And, And I bought the property. Fantastic. And he moved down the road and bought a beautiful farm not far from it. But it was the last piece. Oh, my goodness. Of the puzzle. And everybody was happy. And it was, you're right. It was in the middle of me trying to tell Redeemer what a great place we're going to have. And I still didn't own all the land. And then all of a sudden, this thing went into high gear. Unbelievable. Well, what it's the become circumstances is, is that were hard to explain. Hard to fathom from that and now moment before on. I turn it over to Zach, the last point I'll make. All right, let's hear it. Zach decides. So now I'm struggling. I'm part venture capitalist, part Goshen's growing. We have like 25 boys. And the, the joy of this is that Zach comes back from college and he's uh, coaching at uh, Holy Innocence's alma mater. He's got a nice life. He's living here in Atlanta and he decides to help out at the ranch mm-hmm. more seriously. And we went from a money losing small place, much loved everything, but it was a a model that was not sustainable to where we are today. And that's actually run for the last four years entirely. I'm retiring next week or two for off the board. And we've really made this segue from kind of home cooking into what's now vis-a-vis the state audits, the highest audited ranked child welfare organization in the state. Of which there's hundreds. So, Hallelujah. With his leadership. <laughs> Thanks to Zach. Yeah. Amen. I, I'd left it kind of as a, you know, wow. mom and pop store. Did I hear you write that you're retiring off the board? Yeah, I am. I, this I is am. a sad moment. Yeah, it's I also the first announcement this. of it, actually. But we have a board meeting next week at, at Hill, right here at Liberty Hill, and we'll be going through the details. But I am, I am we've really got a great not- chairman who's coming on, but Zach is... Zach is uh, in full flight. Wow. Zach, that was quite, that's. <laughs> and now I can tell you what we do. Yeah. Wow. No, we've, we've got an amazing team. I think in, in John's absence, as far as, you know, operationally, we've been you know blessed with um, individuals that have both found Goshen Valley and have made it, you know, their, their call and, and, and lifelong purpose, really, as far as the leadership that they provide, you know, each of their agencies. Um, you know, what started as the ranch, which is still, you know, in, in many ways, a focal point for the community. And uh, will certainly be that over the course of the holidays as, as people find their way uh, kind of with an attitude of service you know, to our campus. But, you know, we, we talk a lot about kind of need based investments. And when you look at our four operating agencies, um, it's all been born out of a need that we've experienced, you know, typically initially at the ranch, um, you know, Goshen New Beginnings, which is our independent living program. Um, that serves 18 to 21 year olds um, was started because we had boys turning 18 that were returning to the same difficult environments that they had initially come from. So to give them an opportunity to have a safe place where they can both uh, receive the life skills that are needed along with the opportunity to typically finish high school or, or start college. Uh, we thought that that was you know, very important, that, that that was a part of the story that, that we could offer them uh, and really the community as well when you think of the investments that are made in the lives of these kids. So in short, the boys will 
graduate out of foster care system at the age of 18. 18th birthday, they kind of graduate out and then they go into this new beginnings? Yeah, not exactly in that. At 18, a child in foster care has the option of signing themselves out. Oh. And and absent the the right type of opportunity, um, more and more, that was the decision that we're making. And, And it wasn't always a poor decision, but in some cases it was. So realizing that we could create a program that would allow us to have a license that could extend the quality of their care up until the age of 21, mm-hmm. um, that was really the vision. And that program both serves today young men and young women um, with a focus. I talk about extending the runway. You know, how do we ensure that we've done everything possible for those youth that haven't been adopted, haven't been reunified to be equipped to live life you know, on their own at that point when they, when they turn 22 years old. Um, and we've had hundreds of young people that have experienced that now with outcomes, including high school graduation, you know, college graduation. We have several that have gone on to serve in the military. Um, so, so that investment then um, has, has proven, you know, important and fruitful at this point in terms of, um, you know, kind of the, the way in which we talk about, you know, our greater ministry. Um, another example of that um, was, you know, the, the creation of Goshen Homes, um, which allows through the license that we have now with the state uh, for Goshen to recruit, train and license foster families to serve children in their own home. Um, more of kind of a standard base of foster care, mm-hmm. um, except for us, you know, when we looked at that and kind of thought of it as, you know, what would that look like for Goshen? Uh, what we knew at the time is that we had boys at the ranch that had siblings that were placed elsewhere uh, and that, you know, at best they might see each other once every couple of weeks, you know, at a visitation of some sort. In mm-hmm. some cases they didn't see their siblings at all. Or in some cases, the sibling they'd been separated from was on an adoptive track and they were not. Um, so we knew that that was something that, you know, we were um, both uh, kind of upset about to be quite honest and that that's kind of how the fu- state was functioning at the time. And, and part of that was due to the fact that they just didn't have enough options to put children in the same home. So by, by starting Goshen Homes and the vision that came from that, uh, we've been able to place more sibling groups together in foster homes as families, um, still with the focus on trying to work through the opportunities to reunify. Uh, but in some cases they are adopted. In some cases there's guardianship with a kinship family. Um, today we have nearly 60 children living in foster homes um, with their siblings throughout oh. Cherokee and now even into Cobb and Bartow County. Um, and you know that work has proven to be important. Uh, and I think that work will continue to be, you know, a way in which we can scale our direct care services. Um, Come on. Yeah. Sisters and brothers are better together. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And and I think when people hear that and they understand it, uh, I'll tell you that the, the amount of training that goes in to, to equipping those couples to do that work is significant. Um, It's all done through kind of a therapeutic lens of of curriculum known as together facing the challenge. Um, So we want to ensure our families are well supported, but we want to be able to do more of that and and be able to scale that work, you know, throughout the region. Mm -hmm. Um, Lastly, and and most recently, um, you know, we at Goshen, we realize that foster care, um, unfortunately, is the result of something terrible taking place in the life of a child. That's just, you know, the truth. Mm -hmm. And although we do great direct care work and we want to continue to at the ranch in an independent living setting through foster homes, we also feel an obligation to begin to serve families preventatively. 
How do we have that opportunity on the front end before that child's come into care to come along those parents or that mother or that father um, with therapeutic services like counseling, family counseling, different types of assessments that can be done to determine really where the needs are. And a couple of years ago, you know, w- w- with a lot of faith and that that would be work that would ultimately kind of take off, we began that journey. Um, and I can tell you today, we're now working with hundreds of families, you know, in ways in which we can support them um, with the thought being keeping children ultimately out of care um, with plans to do more and more of that work, you know, in the years ahead through credentialing that we can receive through private insurance and Medicaid, where, you know, the future of Goshen will be, you know, understanding ways where the community comes around those that are vulnerable rather than taking children from those that are vulnerable. That's amazing. It's almost like you're making your, you're stopping yourself from getting business because yeah. you're keeping the family together from the start. It's amazing. That's the best plan. Well, interesting business model. Yes, it is. I'm very excited about well, that. Well, and, and I think the work we do, um, you know, will there always be a need for, for a Goshen Valley Boys Ranch? I think there will be. Absolutely. Uh, I think there will always be a need for, you know, a therapeutic environment where, you know, 16 year olds who have struggled or have been in adverse circumstances um, can be cared for by families. Unfortunately, I think there'll always be a need, you know, for, you know, sibling groups to be in foster settings. Um, but I also think we can limit those circumstances. And more importantly, we can also raise awareness for, for everyone around the needs for, for, you know, proper, you know, mental health, um, for, you know, community-based care. Um, and, and that to me is, is really, like I said, we feel obligated to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with, with the investments that are made, you know, with the reputation and the standards that are in place with, you know, being fully accredited, which in itself can be challenging for some organizations, we have to continue to push to, raise the awareness and then step into those needs um, with, with, with energy and enthusiasm and with, you know, the, the basis of expertise that we've been given. Mm-hmm. This, all of these amazing programs that you have going on costs a lot of money. Sure. And, you know, God willing, you have enough money to go each year and make this happen. Mm-hmm. How can we as just average citizens of the community be able to help you with this? Well, I'll say this. I think first and foremost, if someone's listening to this and and thinking through a lens of how did John Blend ever get to where he got, you know, what did, where did that start? I think it, it really started with his passion. And that's what I tell everyone to do on a personal basis. If you're passionate about something, find purpose behind it. Find a way to bring that to the attention and to the need of someone who's um, in a vulnerable position. Uh, in the case of Goshen, you know, I think we do a better job today than we've ever done before being able to express both the need as well as in which the investment is meeting those. We cannot do this without the support of our community, without individuals who are choosing to carve out a piece of what they earn or their time or their energy and make that available to us. Um, So GoshenValley.org is a great place to start. It highlights all of our agencies in depth. Uh, It also can walk you through uh, what it entails to be a house parent at our boys ranch or be a foster parent in one of our community homes. Um, And at the same time, you know, talks through ways in which if you choose um, to be able to, you know, invest directly with dollars, you know, through the website as well. Mm -hmm. That's great. 
that's great. We can we can all take a look at that. Do you have some fundraising efforts going on also? So we just wrapped up our annual golf tournament, which I can tell you was very well intended. Broke all types of records, both in terms of the number of golfers, the money raised. We do have an event in early December. Uh, and that will be um, held at Woodstock City Church. We're going to have uh, the opportunity to uh, include Andrew Stanley. Uh, Andy's son, who's a comedian, will be with us that night. Wait, 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 what? Andy Stanley's son? Yes. Comedian. comedian. Andy Stanley's son is a comedian? <laughs> and good. Excellent. Get out of town. I had no idea. I, I would encourage everybody, you know, first and foremost, <laughs> you can obviously go to YouTube, but if that's information that you would, uh, you know, like to learn more about in terms of attending that evening, um, oh I think gosh. you can either email Jody or you can reach me at zblend at goshenvalley.org. Um, and then just kind of the end of the year, you know, we know that people are mindful. We know that, you know, there are still a lot of families that are still in a position where they're trying to work through their own circumstance. But um, if you feel led and you know that, hey, we're in the position to do more. Yeah, we do have 115 kids today that we're going to have to provide Christmas for. Not that you uh, have to, that you want to. Yes. We want to. The community wants to have Yes. A good Christmas under the tree for them too. So. It, it, it makes all the difference. Yeah. For the, the normalcy of Christmas coming from circumstances where some of our kids just haven't really had that opportunity to be honest. Um, and again, I think, you know, through the website is the best way to not only reach out about, okay, is that something that we can do, but how can we actually participate in that itself? Um, and, and our team led by Evan Ingram and, and the rest of his group can, can come along and, and try to create something that would work for you and your family. Great. I wanted to mention, if I could, Jody, mm -hmm. a, a couple of people who've made this possible and work in Cherokee County. Mm -hmm. um, the court system has to believe in what we do. Mm -hmm. And whether it's John Sumner, who's now retiring, or Tony Baker, who's now or the, our superior court judge, um, and and the, t the team, the current team, it, they've been remarkable to work with us. Um, Brian Hightower in the school district, unbelievably understanding mm -hmm. of what our challenge is with the kids we have where learning is the biggest deficit when they come and learning is their biggest strength when they leave. So they come, many not reading, and leaving to go, wanting to go to college and getting into college. And that, and that's through the Cherokee County School District. And, and they've been remarkable that's to fantastic. us. That's the th fantastic. Th I have to mention the county organization and Jerry Cooper, who's now retired, and the whole team, Harry and, and, and Buzz, we have had tremendous support in block rants and other ways that they've been there for us. The public safety people, Tim and Frank, uh, uh, respectively, their organizations have always been helpful to us uh, I'm gonna, in, in, in many ways, in safety and, and support and financial. So we've had a the public safety people were at were there for us, the school people, the state organization, and finally the churches. Mm -hmm. The churches have been remarkable in Cherokee County. We'll have 2,000 visitors come in now that COVID's gone. The year before COVID, we had 2,000. The lion's share of them come from churches on workday, service days, things like that, where they come and they leave different than when they came. Yes. They, they, something happens for them in a positive way. Something really hap positive happens for us mm. because they bring all this enthusiasm to the ranch, which is kind of a, a private place day to day. But when they come, they bring joy 
and they bring all the rest. And COVID, without all four of them working in the past year and a half, and that we were able to open a gymnasium, a wellness center, do things that allowed us to weather the COVID storm, was all a function of really Zach's relationship with the county, being part of the Cherokee leadership team, all the things that you stand for and what your publications are, what this building does that that Penn has built relative to a, a community-centric place. It's... We, we couldn't be where we are, certainly. And it's actually remarkable. Yeah. It's a Cherokee County is a remarkable place. It, There's it, magic here. It is. There really well, I is tell magic people that all here. the day. I said, all the time, I said, I don't know how Goshen functions anywhere else. And the providence, you know, of, of John and searching for property in 1981 and it happening to be in Cherokee where it could have been anywhere else and everything that's transpired since then. Um, you know, the seeds that have been planted, not only in the life of Goshen and those that we serve, but those that have planted seeds so that we can continue to thrive. Um, you know, it, it has made all the difference. Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you for brightening my day yeah, and great. everybody else that all seven listeners out there, <laughs> they've, they've gotten an earful today and everybody's happier because of you both and because of Goshen Valley. And uh, one thing I did want to mention that I think that's really special about this story is that it started with a Lutheran. Presbyterian came into play. Yeah. Is that right? With, with your school? Yeah. Episcopalian. Episcopalian. I'm sorry. Um, we even had communists come into here with the, yeah. with the Ukrainians. We talked about Israel. We talked about the Jordan River, everything. And then even the Goshen Valley Baptist Church or Goshen Baptist Church. Isn't that right? But you know what? It's all about God. Amen to that. And it all comes down to, it was, it was, it it was just a menagerie of different colors that came together to make this beautiful picture. Mm -hmm. So more to come, more to come, more to come, lovely, more to come. (laughs) Well, don't go away, gentlemen. We'll be right back. I have a little something fun to do and then we'll call her quits. Okay. Thank you. All right. Goshen Valley provides peace and purpose to youth in foster care. There is an ongoing need for foster families in Cherokee County and all over Georgia. Goshen Valley is here to help meet that need. They provide safe, stable, and loving family-based models of care for those in need. Goshen Homes is a vital component of Goshen Valley. Goshen Homes understands that siblings in foster care should not be separated because they grow better together. For this reason, Goshen Homes works to recruit, train, license, and support foster families working with sibling groups in Cherokee County and the state of Georgia. If you have a little extra room in your home and heart, consider learning more about Goshen Homes and the unmatched joy you can discover by becoming foster parents. Visit www.goshenvalley.org homes. That's www.goshenvalley.org homes. All right, quickie questions with John Blend. Here we go. Do you prefer coffee or tea? Coffee. Hot or cold? Hot. Do you like a window or an aisle seat on a plane? Aisle. How about ice cream or potato chips? Which do you prefer? Ice cream. What flavor? Uh, Chocolate. Sorry. (laughs) Dull boy. It's usually vanilla, so I'd say you're very wild out there. Okay, what's the last book you read? 
Oh, my heavens. A whole series of these mystery thrillers that happen when guys are trying to turn over the, I forget the name of the author even, but I've read them all. Zach, what was the last book you read? Uh, Crucial Conversations, which uh, actually teaches us that, you know, those dynamic, difficult discussions are, are worth investing in. And, you know, I've taken my whole team through it. It's been great. Wow. that's a, That sounds like work. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Oh, that's like a textbook. I, th- I think my last book was a comic book. So, yeah, <laughs> just goes. In. No, the last book I read was Enjoy Cherokee Magazine. How's that? <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> All right. Uh, Zach, what's your favorite sport to watch? Basketball. Basketball. I thought you were going to go with baseball. Up and down. You know, doesn't take four hours to play. There you go. Yeah. So, uh, no, I'm a big basketball fan, but I, I, I love it all. You know, go Atlanta. What's your favorite sport to watch, John? Uh, I'd say basketball, but football's really close, and the Bravos are a separate category. Oh, it's yeah. More like church. <laughs> <laughs> Sacred ground. All right, John, who was your first kiss? Leslie Cassett. Oh. <laughs> My was that hard to You say, didn't was that, send that question. I did ahead. not send that in advance. I think it's the funniest question because your son is sitting right here. And it was very dangerous. Her, her, father, no her father was a captain in the New York Police Department. Ooh. And I would be dun, there at dun, their dun, house dun. when he would come home and put his gun away. <laughs> and I'm kissing this girl. You got more Man. than you bargained for with that one. What, what kind of an idiot am I? <laughs> I'm so glad you answered that question, honestly. <laughs> that was great. Zach, who was your first kiss? You know, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure I can remember. I mean, Rachel Blend. That's the, that's the best answer. All right. Good answer. <laughs> wow. He's, you should have saw the grimace on his face when he said that. Rachel Blend. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, what's your favorite vacation spot? I really like uh, kind of that Destin, Santa Rosa oh, Beach, yeah. 30A. It's a great place to get away and relax for a few days. John, your favorite vacation spot? For years, it was St. Simon's, so I'll stick with it. All right. Not, not, that's nothing bad. Um, and my last one, John, what's your favorite restaurant in Cherokee County? Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Not getting that's out of this one. Fair. Nope. And you better well, be there's thinking, only seven listeners, right? Okay, it's so, only seven. Yeah. Okay, then I'm gonna I'll go with uh, Jay Prime. I think <gasps> my wife, Jay Michael Prime, Jay Michael Prime. Oh yeah. My, my so with uh, with a wife and three kids, yeah, I will say we frequent Nuevos Amigos on Sixes Road pretty frequently. Wow, those are two good ones. Yeah, two good ones. I like this. I like the spectrum there. But J. Michael Prime. Mm-hmm. We actually had someone buy us. I like J. There. Michael's when he takes us there. Most wonderful evening. We were at J. Michael Prime's. And at the end, we're, you know, and the bill's big there. I know. So at the end, the, the woman said, well, your check's been paid. What? By a Where person was people I? know. I won't mention it, but it's just lovely. I don't know. That is, that's paying it forward. <laughs> Holy cats. All right. Gentlemen, once again, thank you so much for coming and sharing all of your, uh, your story about Goshen Valley and your life stories with us. Greatly appreciated. And uh, Merry Christmas. Thanks, Jody. Thank you, it's Jody. Been great. Perfect. Enjoy Cherokee Voices and Enjoy Cherokee Magazine are produced by EMI, a nationally recognized award-winning multimedia content producer. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. For additional information about this and all of our podcasts, visit enjoycherokee.com. If you enjoyed this show, click subscribe and take some time to rate and review the podcast now. It really does help us succeed in the booming world of podcasts. And now, stay tuned for Fun Facts with Katie.
And we're back with Fun Facts with Katie. How are you, Katie? I'm good. How are you? I am great. I'm just exhilarated because that was such a great talk. What a good story. I know. So many stories. Right. Yeah. I have, you know, I hung out a little bit with Zach and I've hung out some with Evan from Goshen. Evan is such a good speaker, too. Mm -hmm. I just really I'm I'm very impressed with his speaking abilities. But um, yeah, and I've actually been to Goshen Valley Farm or the ranch up there. Right. It's really cool. So I know a little bit about them, but yeah. you are fun facts with Katie. So you have you have all the uh, facts. So I'm anxious yes. to find out what you know a little bit more about. There's so much information about Goshen Valley, um, but just kind of to hit the highlights, obviously their story is, it was established in 1999, so there's a lot of background to Goshen Valley, and they do so much, so many statistics and everything like that, Um, but to kind of hit the highlights, so the four main programs within Goshen Valley are, of course, the Goshen Valley Boys Ranch, Goshen Valley New Beginnings, Goshen Homes, and Goshen Therapeutic Services. And each one of those has a different role. The Boys Ranch obviously was the first. Um, New Beginnings is sort of a transitional program to help those who have aged out of the foster system. Oh, yeah. um, And trains them on, you know, employment and all the things to help give them a good base to be successful out in the real world and for the rest of their life. Um, Goshen Homes is the fostering program. And the therapeutic services is to help with therapy, whether that be... um, addiction therapy or family therapy, all of these things to just help, I guess, promote a good family environment and to help those with various mm-hmm. needs. Yeah. Cool. Um, they kind of fit the whole spectrum into this program at Goshen Valley. So that's fantastic. Yes, they do. Um, right. What else did you learn? In 2021, the Goshen Valley Foundation was named to the AJC's top workplaces list. So oh, I thought that was really cool that it's that's just, amazing. Just a great environment to work there. Um, I wonder on, how many employees they have. We probably don't have that fact, but I'm sure it goes up and down. Right on their um, on their annual report, they have the list of their board of directors and some of their um, critical employees. And but of course, there are many who help Goshen Valley. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. every day that aren't mentioned in that but um and the foster families and the yes, volunteers right and, absolutely oh my gosh so many th- people are part of this organization so. and right here today john announced that he is no longer going to be on the board he's retiring mm-hmm. from the board that must be you know bittersweet for him as right. well huh mm. yeah to loosen the reins and let other people take yeah. goshen forward um so from the annual report, I found that since 1999, which, when Goshen was founded, um, they have celebrated 51 high school graduations, 35 adoptions, nine youth entering the military, and 825 youth who have lived at Goshen Valley through the years. 825? Yes. Wow. Right here in Cherokee County, 825 youth who have benefited um, from living at Goshen. That is amazing. It just puts a huge smile on my face. Right, yeah. Just think of how many lives that has changed. Mm-hmm. And siblings and families and everyone. So Yeah, the community. Um, right. Everybody, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so a little bit about John from the annual report, the little bit of his bio that they shared is, of course, this is no longer True, but previously he's been the founder and board chair for the Goshen Valley Foundation. Um, He started his career at IBM, and he's worked with various tech companies. 
um, and he is the past president and chair of Together Georgia, which is a statewide association of over 100 national and local child welfare providers. Mm. Um, So he's been very involved in, you know, the child care welfare community for a long time. Mm -hmm. And he's a huge part of multiple organizations, as well as being the founder of Goshen. Um, Also, Zach... He serves on the board of many other organizations within Cherokee County as well, um, being very involved in the community. So he serves on the Cherokee County Educational Foundation, the Cherokee County YMCA Board, and the Cherokee County Chamber of Commerce. And he's also an adjunct adjunct professor with the McCamish School of Business at Reinhardt University. Wow. Where he earned his Master's of Business Administration. So he's a, he has an MBA. Mm-hmm. And he's an adjunct professor over at Reinhardt. That's mm-hmm. pretty amazing. I did not know that. Yeah, which all of these things together earned him the top 40 under 40 from Georgia Trend in 2015. Get out of town. Yeah, so he's he's a cool dude. He's got a lot of accomplishments under his belt. Um, but you would never know that from talking to him. No, you know? he's so down to earth. Right, Such yeah. Such a nice guy. Yeah, well, not that all, you know, not that you get your MBA and you're not a nice guy or right. a nice girl, you know, whatever. Yeah, but. Yeah, he's so down to earth. Yeah. So, um, one thing that I wanted to touch on that I feel like a lot of people, I had never heard of the thalidomide birth defect crisis, which John touched on just a little bit. He had run across some children. I, I I think it was in Mexico city or in Mexico, wasn't it? Somewhere. Yeah. Um, with birth defects. And so he, he told us to look it up. So I did. And, um, I just wanted to give a little background. So, in 1956, this drug, thalidomide, was introduced as a sedative. Um, it was also found to have a good effect on reducing morning sickness in pregnant women. Um, and then in 1957, it was promoted as this wonder drug for insomnia and colds and coughs and headaches. Um, but then in the late 50s and early 60s, they started to realize that more than 10,000 children across 46 countries were born with deformities as a consequence of this drug. Oh my Lord. But what's really interesting to me is that the severity and the location of the birth defects depended on how many days into the pregnancy the mother was when she began treatment. Mm. So if, if the drug was taken on the 20th day of pregnancy, it would cause central brain damage. If taken on day 21... It would damage the eyes. If taken on day 22, it affected the ears and face. On day 24, it affected the arms and leg damage would occur if taken up to day 28. So oh, this is a very unusual. narrow window. I mean, just one day to the next, it's different types of deformities and different um, severities. So that's very interesting. And also the drug did not damage the fetus if taken after day 42. And so this is all happening extremely early on in a pregnancy. Um, I mean, day 21 to 28, some women may not have even known that they were pregnant at that time. Right. Um, I would think many people. Right. So some may, some may not have, but regardless, they did not have any idea what the complications would be later on. Oh my gosh. Well, and he actually mentioned in our conversation that he, he had reason to believe it was actually a contraceptive pill. Mm. They thought it was a contraceptive pill. So let's, let's, you know, full disclosure here. We are two girls on a giggle. Yeah. I mean, not a giggle, on a Google, right? We're on Google Google search. search. Yeah. So this is stuff that we've looked up on Google or you've Mm -hmm. looked up on Google and we're just, you know, regurgitating here Mm -hmm. to you. So please, if you have any questions about this drug, 
go to a practitioner and ask them about it or do some serious research. We're right. just looking it up. Well, I did want to say it's 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 used today, but only under very strict conditions and only for a couple of very specific conditions. So it's not um, widely available to the public. So mm-hmm. it's not a severe threat any longer. Um, but it's mostly used for one of the complications of leprosy, actually, and also in combination with another drug for the treatment of a form of plasma cell cancer. Mm. So these are very specific instances in which this drug is being used and also very strict. Whereas if you were pregnant, you absolutely would never take this drug. Right. Um, so they've done a lot of research in over the years, though it is still technically in circulation. It's not really. It's, so. Yeah, it's very... Um, so there is a good side to this drug. We just... Yes. It would again. only really be used in situations where the... Uh, benefits might outweigh the consequences and in very specific situations but still always be wary of the drugs that are suggested to you so again that's why we call it fun facts with katie we don't really know we don't actually know no we're just no mds here no (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're mighty deprived really that's our (laughs) md we're mighty deprived with facts we're just repeating what katie found on google historical facts yes that's right So the last thing um, is just that all the information about what Goshen Valley does for children and the families in our community is found at GoshenValley.org. You can view their 2020 annual report to learn even more about all the facts and figures and how they have marked their success with the youth there. Um, The numbers are really great from that. And the 2021 annual report should be coming out within the next few months if you're even looking forward to that. And just this holiday season, consider giving to Goshen Valley or other local nonprofits. Um, Goshen Valley does a lot, and they partner with many, many community organizations as well. Um, But supporting local nonprofits gives directly back to your local community. Um, So consider giving to local nonprofits as well. That's right. Good good point. Good point. And um, thanks, Katie, for all of this. Good job. Mm, You're welcome. As usual. And... I just had such a great time with Zach and his papa. So Very special. Um, yeah. They're super cool. Everybody, thanks for listening, and go look up Goshen Valley. Yeah. Goshen Valley. <laughs>